This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode of Large Almond Latte is brought to you by Giftcarded, the free online platform allowing Australian small businesses to sell and accept gift card payments in-store and online. And welcome to another episode of Large Almond Latte. What have I been doing this week? Well, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know that I opened a cafe. I know, right? Not a great time to be opening a cafe when everyone else is closing theirs down. But don't worry, it's a very exclusive cafe. Only I'm allowed to attend and uh, my immediate family members like my dog, my boyfriend and my baby. And it's actually on my porch. So yes, I um, have been playing make-believe like a five-year-old because that's what isolation has driven me to. But honestly, it's quickly becoming my favorite cafe mainly because the liquor license starts at nine and goes all through the day. It's pet friendly. Pants are optional, which is huge because who wears pants anymore? So it's been a really good thing for me. Like everybody else in the world, I've also been obsessed with watching a gun-toting, mullet-sporting, gay redneck coax two straight men into a polygamous relationship using meth and tigers. And now that I'm done with that, I'm spending about 90% of my day bathing in the golden meme content that has come out of it. Seriously, check out betches.co slash Tiger King for some quality content. That's B-E-T-C-H-E-S dot co. It's phenom. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Tiger King on Netflix. You must watch it. It is absolutely wild. Unlike the tigers in the documentary, which are not wild, they are caged. Ah, uh, yeah. But you know what else is wild? The story of Cleopatra. Today on the podcast, I profile the last true pharaoh of Egypt. This episode is entirely dedicated to the absolute boss bitch, Cleopatra. Like, I promise you don't even need to like history to enjoy this. It is an elite story filled with world domination, two of the greatest love stories of all time, excessive incest and familicide. And of course, I'll leave you with a life changer at the end that I in fact discovered while researching this episode. Cleopatra was the last queen of Egypt, but probably not the Egypt you're thinking of. The Egyptian empire spanned over 4,000 years. So like the Egypt you see in Indiana Jones and the Mummy was when Egypt was peaking with golden fruit and cats and Billy Zane. Like, yeah, they really loved cats. Anyway, this was the Old Kingdom, which was around 2575 to 2150 BC. And this is when the pyramids were built. Tutankhamun, who was the most famous of all the pharaohs, didn't even reign then. He was a around in 1500 BC and Cleopatra wasn't on the scene until 69 BC. So Cleopatra actually lived closer to our time than she did the time of the pyramids. And by then Egypt was a little bit different. For one thing, Cleopatra wasn't even Egyptian. She was Macedonian. 
Around 300 years before Cleopatra, Alexander the Great of Macedonia conquered Egypt, but he didn't even steal it from the native Egyptians. He defeated the Persian overlords. So he was on the peninsula of Egypt after winning the land one day, and he was like, mm, this area is really cute. Let's make a city here and name it after me. And then he was like to his generals, can you do that for me? Because I got to go conquer the rest of the world. Okay, bye. So off Alexander goes, and a city was built in his name that he actually never saw because he died at 32 after he indeed did conquer the world. I'm 32 and I'm just sitting here on my couch in trackies with God knows how many days of unwashed hair and I've just eaten my second breakfast. So Alexander is really not making me feel good about my accomplishments right now. Anyway, after Alexander died, his general split up his conquests and this guy called Ptolemy takes over Egypt. Now, there are like 387 million Ptolemies in this story, so take note, this guy was the OG. So the next 300-ish years in Egypt is known as the Ptolemaic Empire. Alexandria, as well as being the capital of Egypt, basically becomes the global center of knowledge and enlightenment. Like, basically, you couldn't live there unless you were a member of Mensa. And remember, the Greeks were also peaking around this time. So Greek philosophers and academics would just come out and hang in the library of Alexandria. They were so intelligent. Like, in the 16th century, this guy, Nicholas Copernicus, proposed that the sun was the center of the universe, but this guy, Aristarchus, was already all over that back in Alexandria, and they were also pretty clued into the earth being round. So because the people of Alexandria were so super smart, they knew how to do like money and economics, and they became this economic powerhouse rather than relying on force and military like, say, Sparta. So because of this, they become a client of Rome who basically ran the world. Like, who ran the world? Rome. So Egypt gave Rome money, and in return, Rome would protect them with their military. Good deal. One thing that the Egyptians were absolutely not too cluey about was incest. The Ptolemies loved a bit of sister-cousin action. Spoiler alert, they also loved killing their sister-wife-cousins. So anyway, Cleopatra is born in 69 BC to her dad and most likely her mum, auntie. Her dad, Ptolemy twelve, first left Egypt to his eldest daughter, Berenice, and she took over while he was still alive. But she just would not marry a brother or a cousin. And the Romans really didn't love her, mainly because they were like, um, a woman cannot run a country on her own. Are you mad? Ptolemy twelve, can you please come back and run the country now? And he's like, oh, okay, fine. And, you know, just for the sake of this relationship, I'll also have my daughter killed. You know, icing on the cake. So Berenice gets beheaded and Ptolemy 12 is like, but actually I don't really want to come back and rule, but I won't make the same mistake twice. So he names 18-year-old Cleopatra and her 10-year-old brother Ptolemy 13 co-rulers and then they got married. Lovely. And then the dad dies. So When she was 18 and her brother was 10, they start co-running a country. So like the rest of Alexandria, Cleopatra was like hella smart. She spoke nine languages. Honestly, I didn't even know there were nine languages back then. I thought everyone just spoke Latin. Apparently not. So aside from speaking Greek and obviously Latin, she was the only Ptolemaic ruler who bothered to learn the Egyptian tongue. She also spoke Ethiopian, Hebrew, Arabic, and Syrian. Anyway, she was like, um, I'm not ruling with my brother and starts going about the business of running her empire alone. 
But her little brother, although he was a child, had some adult allies. And so then her brother starts signing documents with his name before his sister's, which apparently was a super big deal. So then they start fighting like brother and sister. But when you're a brother and sister running a country, fighting like brother and sister means civil war. So blah, 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 military battles. That's super boring. I won't go into it. But Cleopatra ends up fleeing Alexandria with her army. She tries to get back in, but her brother blocks the doorway. So Rome gets a whiff of this and without the dad to step in and stop them fighting. Julius Caesar, who is running Rome, is like, oh, right, I'll deal with this. And he's like, I'm coming over, but by the time I get there, you both better have your armies disbanded or you'll be in big trouble. So like I said, Julius Caesar is running Rome. So he is the most powerful man in the world at this stage. How sexy. And he was a super complex character. Like he had the charisma of Hugh Jackman. People absolutely loved him. The literary skills of Shakespeare. He wrote a book on Latin grammar and the lady killing skills of James Bond. He was also super vain. The reason he wore that wreath around his head all the time is because he was balding and they didn't have no Ashley and Martin back then. But I feel like if he was alive now, he'd be the type of guy that gets Botox and teeth whitening and like a a shred for stereotype. So Julius Caesar gets to Rome and he meets Ptolemy 13, Cleopatra's brother husband, and he has not done what Caesar said and disbanded his army. So I imagine after like 300 years of deep, deep, inbreeding. This guy, Ptolemy 13, is a bit like Joffrey, but with um, maybe more visible genetic defects. So he's already not liked, and now he's disobeyed the most powerful man in the world. What a dummy. On the other hand, Cleopatra's like strategy. She knows that he's an absolute womanizer, so she sneaks back into Alexandria in a carpet, like rolled up in a carpet. And then she like unrolls herself out of the carpet at his feet and uses her sex power on him. Caesar tries to mediate the two fighting siblings. And he's like, look, you're ruling together, deal with it. And there's also two younger siblings, Ptolemy 14 and Arsinoe. I'm going to call it Arsinoe. So he gives those two Cyprus to rule so they won't be any threat to the Egyptian throne. But Ptolemy 13, the brother husband, he's like, no, you like my sister more than me. And he stamps his foot. And then he gets the little sister Arsinoe on board and they get an army together. So when Caesar went to visit, he didn't bring any backup. So at this point, him and Cleopatra have no choice but to lock themselves up in the palace together and bang, bang, bang. And that's all they did. So whatever. Finally, Caesar's troops come and Ptolemy 13 is fucked. So he runs away like a little bitch. Caesar gives him a head start and then he runs after him and he kills him. Well, he doesn't actually kill him. Obviously, Ptolemy 13 can't swim because he's so genetically deformed and he drowns. Then the little sister Arsenal gets exiled. And Caesar's like, well, Rome didn't really like it last time when just a lady ruled Egypt, so he keeps Cleopatra in power of you, he's banging her, and then he names her other little brother, Ptolemy fourteen, her co-ruler, so then she has to marry her other brother. So at this time, 23-year-old Cleopatra has been really quiet through all of this, which is unusual for such a strong-willed lady, and that's because she's been on bed rest this whole time because she's pregnant with Caesar's child who she names Caesarion. 
Unfortunately for Cleopatra and little Caesarion, Caesar's not the nicest guy and he doesn't even acknowledge that the kid's his. I mean, Ovi, he's married, but like they're all married and everyone knows about Cleopatra and Julius Caesar anyway. Like they don't even have phones or internet and everyone knows. Come on. So they're basically like Bragelina, I guess, if Angelina was also married at the time they got together. They are the ultimate power couple, literally ruling the world together. So Cleopatra pops over to Rome as a client queen with her new husband brother in 46 BC. And it's like not the best time for Caesar right now because the Senate is not really enjoying him very much. So they organize this meeting with Caesar attending and Basically, everyone in the Senate just starts stabbing Caesar and he dies. And the only guy that doesn't stab him to death is his best mate, Mark Antony. He hears about the plot, but he doesn't want a part of it, so he bolts. Cleopatra, after the death, is like, oh, boo-hoo, but isn't really sad and doesn't leave Rome immediately. I I mean, like, she might have been really sad, but she's like, oh, my God. I've got Caesar's only kid because he had no kids with his actual wife. So she is like jackpot. Caesarian is going to be the ruler of Rome, which means he's the ruler of the world. Yeah. And she starts to party. But Caesar actually named his nephew Octavian as primary ruler, not his son, who he didn't acknowledge. While they were undoubtedly the ultimate power couple of the early BCs, it's really questionable whether it was true love or whether it was more of a strategic alliance. Caesar needed her money and she wanted the power. And like a lot of historians also say she was really average looking. So there's no way Caesar would have like really fallen in love with her. But she did have mad sex appeal. Apparently, she also had quite a schnoz. Like this guy, Blaise Pascal, has this super famous quote, which is totally awful. Cleopatra's nose, had it been shorter, the whole face of the world would have changed. So awful. But yeah, so maybe if she was hotter, Caesar would have acknowledged that he had a son and his son would have ruled Rome. But then some people say that Cleopatra purposely wanted to look manly so she would be taken seriously. But look, the way I think about it is back then there was no processed food. So at least I'm pretty sure she would have had a super bang and bod. Obviously, because she was a female ruler, everybody has to talk about her sexual nature and her looks. But, quote, and I don't know who the quote was from, I didn't write it down, but it was considered that if she were a man, she'd be intelligent. Like, she was intelligent, even though she was a woman. Come on. Anyway, she actually ran her country on the ground. She spoke nine languages, so when she was negotiating with Egyptian provinces in Africa and Asia, she could speak to them in tongue. She presided over religious ceremonies, constructed all these temples, and even built a shrine dedicated to the worship of Julius Caesar. So, I don't know, maybe she was a little bit obsessed with him. But she also directly managed crises like famine by ordering distributions of food to her people. And to manage the economy, she imposed price controls and tariffs and other money stuff. Because remember how I said that her dad, Ptolemy XII, just kept handing the crown off to his children? Yeah, that's because he actually got Alexandria into a little bit of debt with Rome. And of course, Cleopatra, when she comes into power, she just cleaned all that up with her buddy Julius Caesar. I think it was probably like, look, I'll bang you if you clear the debt or something like that. But she was a great leader. And I feel like that definitely shouldn't be overlooked despite all the surrounding drama in this intense fable. 
Fun fact, small businesses make up 97% of Australia's businesses. And as you know right now, they're not having the best time. Like your hairdresser, your nail salon, your local cafes, you know, all the places that make you look and feel human. And I feel like we owe them for that. But I am really struggling to know how I can help when I'm chained to my couch and these businesses are closed. So when I heard about Gift Carded, I was super excited and I immediately wanted to spread the word. Gift Carded is an online platform that allows businesses to sell and accept gift cards in store or online there's no setup fees or subscription costs under the free plan so it's really good if money is tight right now the business doesn't even need a website so it's totally isolation friendly basically businesses can be selling gift cards through these temporary closures for us to redeem on the other side buy now to enjoy later just like a fine wine so if you or your friends or your cat or your dog or your uncle or your cousin have a small business visit giftcarded.io to find out more so, Julius Caesar's been murdered and he hasn't named his son leader of Rome slash leader of the free world because he hasn't even acknowledged that he was his son and Cleopatra is so mad. Like, picture Regina George in Mean Girls when she finds out that Katie has been feeding her those protein bars that make them gain weight. Like, that kind of mad. She is so enraged that when she gets back to Egypt, she's like, you know what, Ptolemy 14, my little brother, I'm going to take this out on you and... I'm going to murder you. So she has her little brother murdered. So lovely. And then she names Caesarian her co-heir of Egypt. So I guess he can rule something. But I don't think he became her son husband. Like they didn't get married. Oh, and then she's like, oh, yeah, that sister. She's still in exile. Aris, no. And then she gets her killed too. So lovely. Like these siblings treat each other so well. Back in Rome, while Octavian was the main heir, it was actually split in two between him and Caesar's old best mate, Mark Antony. By 42 BC, Octavian controlled most of the western half of the empire and Mark Antony had the east. So Mark Antony's like, I just want to meet all the rulers of these places that I'm controlling. So he summons Queen Cleopatra and she keeps saying no. She's like, I'm not going to you. You come to me, you know, treat him mean, keep him keen. So I'm sure initially when Cleopatra met Mark Antony, she was going to seduce him for strategic reasons because Octavian, the other leader of Rome, is described as a sickly child. So I guess she was putting her money on Mark Antony to be the most powerful man in the world now that Caesar's gone. But once they met, they fell madly in love, even though they were both married. Cue montage. They were so cute. Like they had their own drinking club. They would have these lavish banquets that went into the early hours of the morning. And their favorite thing to do was to get dressed up in disguise and play pranks on the people of Alexandria. So cute. Then in 40 BC, Cleopatra gives birth to his twins, Helios, which means the sun and Selene, which means the moon. And Honestly, I actually love that for twins. Like, if I ever had twins, I would definitely consider that so cute. Anyway, then they have another kid, and what do you think that they called him? Ptolemy, of course. And unlike Caesar, Mark Antony actually acknowledged that these were his children despite being married. So these two are even more of a power couple than her and Caesar were. Like, they're just handing out countries left, right, and center to their kids. Like, Helios, you have our media to rule. Celine, you take 
like Crete and Cyrene. Like, honestly, they made Jay-Z and Beyonce look like teenagers on their first date at the movies. Back in Rome, Mark Antony's wife, yeah, remember he's married, she's causing some trouble. I guess even though she knows he's cheating on her, she's staying loyal to her husband and she's trying to make him the undisputed leader of Rome, like get rid of Octavian. But Octavian's like, I don't think so. And he exiles her and she dies. And Cleopatra's like, yes, I'm in. But it's really bad timing for Cleopatra because tensions between Octavian and Mark Antony are high. So high. So Antony has to do something to maintain the peace or it's going to end in all-out war. So instead of Mark Antony marrying Cleopatra, like he obviously wants to because he loves her, he marries Octavian's sister. Then he has two children with her. Absolutely brutal. Like imagine that pain. But I guess Cleopatra wore him down because despite still being married to Octavia in 34 BC, he marries Cleopatra anyway. So you know Octavian is mad about that. And Antony doesn't help the situation. He just pokes him. He's like, you know what? Neither of us should be ruling Rome. Caesarion is actually the true heir to Rome. And Octavian's like, nah, I'm not dealing with this. And he gets an army together. So Antony's like, oh, oh, okay. So he heads back over to Alexandria and then Antony and Cleopatra build their own army. And Cleopatra isn't sitting back filing her nails either. She is down there on the front line. So over the next few years, it is all out world war. Well, you know, the world that they know exists. Obviously, China's over there in the East partying by themselves. Like, there's all these battles, which is super boring. But basically, it would be like if Justin Trudeau and Jacinda Ardern hooked up. Ultimate couple ride. And then they fought a war against Donald Trump. Everyone would want to be on Justin and Jacinda's side for sure. Like they would definitely have a bigger army and Donald Trump would be the sickly child who nobody likes but does have power and probably has a better trained army even though it would be smaller. That's exactly how it was. Antony and Cleopatra had a bigger army but Octavian's was better trained. So they're back and forth, back and forth, stabby, stab, stab, kill, 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 blah, blah, blah. And Octavian gets to the point where he's like, right, Egypt is in my sights and he makes a beeline and he just defeats Antony and Cleopatra's forces all along the way and he gets to Alexandria and Antony and Cleopatra's army just falls at his feet. The naval fleet surrenders, followed by their cavalry. It is all over. Cleopatra runs and hides in a tomb and she sends a message to Mark Antony saying she's committed suicide. Mark Antony cannot live without Cleopatra and he stabs himself. He goes to Cleopatra's tomb to die with his wife, only to find out she is very much alive. However, he dies in her arms. Then Cleopatra, who cannot bear to be without Mark Antony, does kill herself with the poison of a snake, and they were buried together in Cleopatra's tomb, putting Romeo and Juliet to shame. Cleopatra's death signified the end of the Ptolemaic dynasty. She was also the last true pharaoh of Egypt. After her death, Egypt became part of the Roman Empire and everyone lived happily ever after. No, they didn't. The Roman Empire fell, 2,000 years happened, and now we're here. And that, my friends, is the epic story of Cleopatra. While I was researching this episode, watching many children's educational YouTube videos, I came across this life changer, absolutely relevant to the theme, and here it is. 
Julius Caesar was believed to be torn from his mother's womb, and that's where the term caesarean comes from. Thanks for listening to Large Almond Latte. If you loved the podcast, you can subscribe on Apple and give us five stars if you're feeling super generous or follow us on Spotify. You can also join our Facebook group at Large Almond Latte Podcast for more low-involvement discussions. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.